Hey everyone, welcome all of you to the second episode of Scale Up Podcast with Isaac in Bengaluru. In today's episode, we have with us Mr. Rashid Navlaki, the founder of Jigsaw Thinking, a group of talented entrepreneurs who will help you scale up your entrepreneurship journey. He's also a well-known business coach, a passionate design thinker who has helped solopreneurs as well as entrepreneurs shape their startups. We'll get to know more about him throughout the podcast, but before that, go ahead, grab yourself a comfortable spot, a nice refreshing drink, and tune in to Scale Up with Isaac. Tell us something about yourself and your company. So I'm Rashid Mablaki. Uh, I'm the founder of a company called Jigsaw Thinking. Uh, Jigsaw Thinking, uh, maybe I'll share it through my personal story to begin with. Uh, basically, I think everything led me, all my experiences, all my learnings led me to starting Jigsaw Thinking. So it's worth maybe talking through a couple of those experiences. Uh, so after I did my school in Bangalore at Bishop Cottons, um, I went to the University of Bath and I went to business school over there, learned a whole bunch of stuff, made some friends for life. And like, I think every graduate walked out feeling I know everything about everything because, you know, I've studied it. And so if I've studied it, I, I know it all. Uh, and then I had decided very ambitiously that even before I graduated university that I was going to start my own thing. And then when I graduated, Accenture in London waved this really nice, beautiful check in front of my face saying, you know, this is what your salary will be if you come work with us. And I definitely sold my soul and said, you know what, my dreams can wait for a little while. Um, and I went and worked at Accenture for two or three years. I did strategic and technology consulting with them. Uh, in London, again, amazing experience, got to live in London, uh, see what the work environment is like over there, uh, did some good stuff over there as well. Uh, and what happened is that I got promoted. And when I got promoted, I realized, wait a minute, a promotion's good because it obviously tells you you've done awesome stuff previously, but it also tells you what direction you're heading in. And so though I was very, very, you know, flattered and happy that they deemed me fit of a promotion at that point. It also told me where my career was going. And with all the respect in the world for my managers and seniors over there, I didn't sort of see that being my path. It didn't really excite me. So what I decided to do is, I think this was a week after I got promoted, I handed in my resignation and decided to quit. Um, and I came back to India. And I said, I'm just going to jump into the unknown in India. And the first thing I did is I started a social impact venture called I for India. That's India with a Y. The idea over there being was I sourced different challenges from NGOs. Uh, and what I did is I took kids from school and I taught them how to solve those challenges for the NGOs. So basically the NGO had a challenge solved. The kids learned how to solve problems and I got some pocket money and fulfillment, you know, by doing that. What I realized then is I just took a pause and reflected on my sort of professional career, personal interests, things like that at that point in time. And I realized all of my learnings combined would do very well to help entrepreneurs start, grow and scale their business. And that's the thing that I have been passionate about throughout, which is entrepreneurship. And so in this really weird meta way, I became an entrepreneur whose goal was to help other entrepreneurs right from the start. Um, and I just took all of my experiences. Uh, so basically, Jigsaw Thinking is a culmination and a combination of my experiences and learnings from business school, 
from consulting and from the social impact stuff that I did along with personal you know, learnings that I had along the way. And that's how uh, Jigsaw Thinking started. Uh, and Jigsaw Thinking is essentially, we like to think of ourselves as the home of the self-starters. So what we do is we try and guide any passionate entrepreneurs and we help them fuel that entrepreneurial spark and set them on the clearest path towards their goals of financial independence, fulfillment. That's basically what we do. Okay, all right, amazing. I mean, I can't believe it. You have like, like Jigsaw thinking definitely has a really, really good background story. I mean, all your life experiences you have put into it, whatever professional experiences, how many people you made, connections you made, lives you have actually impacted. You know, it's, it's so inspiring. And I believe that anyone who is out there who is going for to like start their very first step in entrepreneurship, I think Jigsaw thinking is really going to shape them because you have yourself thing, seen what the journey looks like. So now you're actually, you know, talking about that, okay, you know, there are entrepreneurs and uh, like how people are getting into entrepreneurship and you're helping them do this. I want you to walk to this particular thing. What, how would you actually differentiate, like um, how would you differentiate a startup from a business and an entrepreneur from a businessman? Yeah, it's a good question. I think I'm going to sort of twist the question a little bit uh, because I, you know, I, from my experiences, I've found that there isn't just a difference between an, a, a startup and a business. There's sort of almost like three different types, not just two. There are people who are doing really great stuff without even calling it a startup. So there are people who are doing independent consulting, they're coaches, they're freelancers, et cetera. And they're just working on their name, right? They're taking a skill and they're monetizing it. So there are people in that category and we call them solopreneurs. So it's essentially a solo entrepreneur monetizing their skill or knowledge. Then there are essentially entrepreneurs who are building a startup, right? So they've taken that idea and they've said, you know what, I want to get a bit more serious about it. I think there's growth potential and I want to invest in it, whether that's money or time and effort and focus, they do that. And then there are those established businesses that are more sustainable, that uh, has more consistency, more predictability to them, and they're sustainably doing really well. So I think of it as three different sort of layers. Um, so solopreneurs, startups, and then small businesses as well. And of course, then after that, you've got you know the, the big boys we all sort of know about, uh, right? But I'll, I'll stick to these three because that's who we focus on. So I think a solopreneur, what happens is every now and then as a solopreneur, you end up focusing a lot on your expertise and your skill. So let's say I'll take an example of someone who, let's say, is a great graphic designer. Okay. And they've decided I want to monetize the skill. I don't want to work for another company as a graphic designer. I want to be a graphic designer and do these projects with different companies, that way I have creative freedom, right? As a graphic designer, I get to choose my clients, et cetera. So over there, what happens is you get really focused on doing a great job and being better at what you do, right? But the challenge is that being great at what you do and being a great entrepreneur who makes good money doing what you do are two completely different things. So every now and then when you start as a solopreneur, you end up saying, how do I get better at graphic design? Right, And you focus on that and the money that comes in is like a pocket money or a good to have. 
But the transition to the second phase, which is being an entrepreneur, is realizing that my role is not to just be great at graphic design. It's to make money and make profit. And one of the things I have to do as part of that is be good at graphic design, right? So I have to be good at graphic design. I have to be good at client servicing. I have to be good at sales and marketing. So there are a whole bunch of other things that come into the picture when you move from being a solopreneur to being an entrepreneur. And then finally, once you have set up or started making that transition, it doesn't stop there because you've got to make a transition from being an entrepreneur to being a business owner or being a really a founder of a small business. And over there, again, your role goes through a transition because you are no longer, your role is no longer to do everything. It's to make sure everything happens, whether that is with you through a process, through people, uh, through partnerships, uh, through products that you buy, services that you buy, technology tools that you use. Uh, and because the goal of there, the third space is to make sure that it's sustainable and it's not just dependent on you. Because no good business, uh, once you go from solopreneur to entrepreneur, if you want to set up a small business, no good sustainable business is fully dependent on you because there's just too much risk, right? What happens if you get ill for a week? Does that mean your business stops? If that is the answer, then that means you're not yet a business owner because you've not yet set up your sort of business to be sustainable and to run without you. So I think of it as these three different stages and the challenge of course, and the joy of it is that you have completely different ways of thinking, roles that you have to fulfill, things that you have to do as you go across this different journey. They're very, very different. So it's very important to know where you are to realize what role you have to fulfill uh, at that point in time. Wow, it was like a very, very, you know, like a very detailed answer, like a three-layered three thing. I mean, it tells you like each and every place in which what you actually have to do, what your sort of job descriptions kind of becomes, like if you are a solopreneur or if you're like a small business or if you're finding for a startup, I guess I kind of believe that any big business that we see right now was a startup at one point. And all these people who started Absolutely. these businesses were solopreneurs and they have they have seen it all and it's all part of the journey so this was definitely a very insightful answer i, I must say but well while we were doing our research we found out that in a developed country like the united states the failure rate of businesses in the first country is in, in the first year actually is only 20 percent okay but it jumps up to 50 percent at the end of the fifth year like they started and by the end of fifth year, like 50% of the businesses are failing and 70% at the end of the year 10. Well, how big of a role do you think scalability plays in these statistics? So it's a good question. I think there are two parts to this. Uh, the first part is that all of this data flying around and the ones that you found as well, we found the same data and we've also found evidence that actually says that it can go up to 90% of a failure rate at the end of five years. So essentially what that is saying is one in 10 startups actually continues past their fifth year, which I think is an extremely important stat and is something that should not make people shy away from entrepreneurship, but it is something that they should be aware of and mindful of that it is possible that whether things are going really badly, okay, or really well, it's very possible. And the stats show us that 
towards the fifth year, it's very possible that you might fall, you know, fall off the edge of a cliff and just not exist anymore as a business. And I think that shouldn't, again, as I say, make people shy away from entrepreneurship, but it people should get into entrepreneurship knowing what the reality of it is. There is loads of fulfillment and joy and risk-taking and adventure that comes with being an entrepreneur, but you can't just focus on that and say that, wait a minute, this reality doesn't exist, right? The challenge for any entrepreneur is that you are internally optimistic, so you believe you will be in that 10%, right? That makes it past the, uh, the, the five years, and I think that is so important because if you start thinking you're going to be in the 90%, it becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, because you just operate out of fear. And if you operate out of fear, you're either going to be very, very mediocre all the way through, or you're going to actually compel yourself to fail anyway. And both of those stories don't seem really exciting at all. So even though these stats exist, my first thing that I would say to an entrepreneur is be aware of these stats, but don't be in fear of these stats and operate out of fear. Because when an entrepreneur starts operating out of fear, they tend to make very irrational decisions that don't help themselves or the business. So that's number one, right? Understanding these stats and using them for what they're worth, not letting it cloud your judgment at all points in time. That's number one. The second part in terms of why these stats exist is, Gurv, I could throw about 50 different reasons at you as to why, why this happens. Uh, I don't think that there is one answer, but I do think that uh, there are two or three things that I see commonly come up. And I'll talk about the underlying issues as opposed to the symptoms that everyone says because of this, it failed, you know, because my idea wasn't good or because the market wasn't ready. And these are all really macro answers, but quite often they don't really add any value to the conversation and sometimes can be used as excuses by entrepreneurs. I'll tell you what I think the, you know, top two or three are uh, from an entrepreneur's perspective and from the perspective of a business coach who's worked with so many entrepreneurs, right? Number one is that you fall out of love with the adventure. So the number one reason in my mind is that over the five years, you fall out of love with the adventure that you started. And that can be because of a whole bunch of reasons. Either you weren't that excited about the mission in the first place. You just thought, hey, there's a quick way to make some money right now, right? So I'll get into it. And then after that, it's very hard to sustain that type of love of doing that, right? So you tend not to do it unless you've been very, very successful, very fast, and there is a way to continue, right? So that's number one. I think people fall out of love with the adventure, which makes me realize that you need to be in love with the adventure, at least when you start. You can't be hesitant when you start because then the chances you'll make it through the five years are very low. Uh, it's like, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but you know, when you go shopping for clothes, they always say it looks best on you at the store when you try it. Uh, and then after that, it you fall in love with it a little less after you buy it and when you start wearing it. It's like that. If you don't, if you aren't completely in love with it right at the start, then chances are over the next few years when you realize, wait, it takes so much work, I have to solve so many problems, to talk to so many people to get this going. If you don't believe in your mission and the why of what you're doing, then it's very unlikely that you're gonna sustain your journey. So number one is not being really passionate about the why in terms of why you're doing this in the first place, right? And being very, very clear of, okay, this is my true north. So that's definitely one reason I've seen. The second reason I've seen is 
again, entrepreneurs by nature are people who are confident in their ability to a certain extent. But what that quickly turns into is this almost this unhealthy obsession of having to figure out everything yourself. As an entrepreneur, you're a problem solver and that's what makes you an entrepreneur and gets you excited and gets you far. But when you lean on that so much, what ends up happening is you think that you have to individually by yourself solve all of the problems the business is facing. And that's just not true. People fall into that trap over and over again. And over those five years, they feel lonely, they feel ill-equipped, they feel like the world is against them. They feel like it is, you know, nobody else understands what their journey is like. But that to me primarily comes down to the to the entrepreneur. If you decide to be lonely, then you will be lonely. If you decide to involve other people in your journey, whether that is other communities, partners, people, then you're less likely to feel that loneliness. But I do think that's one of the reasons startups fail is because entrepreneurs sort of cocoon themselves and say, you know, it's um, the lone wolves will win. And that's not true. Lone wolves die. Right? That's what happens. And that's what happens in entrepreneurship as well. Right. This, so the second reason I would say is they try and do everything themselves uh, and don't let community in. The third reason is because they have, as you pointed out in your question as well, is they might have figured out what will help them succeed initially but very rarely is what, you know, what gets you here will also get you there. It's very, very rare. And the problem is if you have had success initially, then you almost feel compelled to keep doing the same thing, right? Because it brought you success. So why would you change something? It's like when the Indian cricket team wins a game, why would you change the team for the next game, right? It's very tough to do that because you're like, wait, I'm breaking up a winning combination. So entrepreneurs feel that way as well. They have a bit of success in their first couple of years. And then they say, this is the only way to do it. And then they get stuck with that. But the fact is that your clients change, your orientation changes, your skill set changes, the world changes, the market changes. If all of those things change and you just keep doing the same things in the same way over and over again, at some point, somebody else is going to come and out-innovate you or clients are going to realize you're not keeping up with trends or you're going to realize, worst case, wait a minute, I can't keep up with this. So I think the third reason is that entrepreneurs find it very hard to change and realize that once they get to certain points in their journey, they have to change tack, they have to upgrade themselves, they have to think about different problems in different ways and entrepreneurs need to make sure that they sort of open their minds to that, but sometimes that doesn't happen, right? So I would say these are the three sort of main reasons. I tend to focus on the entrepreneur challenges because my main belief is that the entrepreneur is the most valuable asset of the business, is the driver of the business. If you don't level up and you don't play your part, it's very rare that the business is going to succeed. Right? So I, I tend to focus on the entrepreneurial reasons of that 90% stat or that 50% stat you, you talked about. Uh, very well, very well, Rashid. I mean, like, you know, what you said, I guess the most, three most important thing that any entrepreneur needs to focus upon right now is just knowing your why of your business, trusting the ecosystem, and definitely once you've, like, set up a business, you have to kind of think in a sustainable manner that how you can just keep on growing it yep. day after day. And how we can just make sure that it's still real and it's still relevant in the market. Um, 
So oh, that sure. brings me, yeah, exactly right. Uh, so that kind of brings me to this question: that how important do you think is it for a is it for an entrepreneur to be master of scale? Like, what are the factors that they need to be experts of? It's a good question. Again, I think I'm. You know, I uh, got to at some stage you're going to get frustrated with my answers because I take them in my own way and give them a little tweak. Um, no, 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 no. But no. That's that's what I love. You know, Seriously, you can uh, twist your uh, questions and because what uh, people who are over here listening to is like they want to know what Rashid has to say, and if you want to twist it any way you want, just go about it because people are here. Like yeah. you know, people would just love to know your perspective. So, yeah, that's totally cool. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. Um, so i think the first thing about thinking about scale is an entrepreneur needs to first identify whether that's the route they want to take and if that's what they want what we often see in the newspapers on other podcasts articles all of this what we tend to see is this one linear view of what a successful entrepreneur looks like a successful entrepreneur has worked really hard in the beginning made a lot of losses then got investors uh, on board got funding then grown really quickly then done an ipo made a lot of money and then moved that's the only story we hear over and over and over again all around us all books all movies all articles everything and what's that done it's made people outside the entrepreneur community think that that is the only form of entrepreneurship that exists or that people care about in my experience over the last 3 years we've worked with now about 350 odd entrepreneurs it's just simply not true that everybody has the same objective not all entrepreneurs want to scale and build a multi million dollar business that's not their goal different entrepreneurs at different stages have completely different goals considering their life circumstances the personal goals that they have uh, the family that's around them the other priorities that they have the focus on mental health now that they want to care about themselves so the first thing is that not all entrepreneurs want to scale you can have different objectives right so i think about these objectives you know there there can be a whole bunch some people want to just set up side hustles they're very excited about having a structured career path at an organization and giving their best to the organization but they want that little bit of uh, you know how on an ice cream you want a few sprinkles to liven up the vanilla flavor some people think of entrepreneurship as those sprinkles they say what we're looking for is a side hustle that's what we're looking to build and so entrepreneurship for them is not to scale it is to add those sprinkles to life right and make some money doing something that they're passionate about turn something that's a hobby into something that can make them right so that's number one they could be in that place the second place they could be in is they want to do entrepreneurship full time but the goal as an entrepreneur for them is to fund a lifestyle their goal is not to sell make millions etc their goal is i want to fund a comfortable life for myself or a luxurious life or whatever type of life they want and i want to fund it by doing what i'm good at and what i love doing and in that case their path is very different from somebody who wants to scale their business because the decisions you make will be in line with hey wait a minute my big thing is i want to be able to travel two months a year and then you have to set up the uh, entrepreneurial journey keeping that goal in mind right and then the then you have the third category of entrepreneurs who want to build a business uh, 
And even then, sometimes they want to build a growth-based business where they bootstrap it, they put in their own effort, uh, the money comes from the clients that they sell to, uh, and the business grows. And then you've got the fourth category of entrepreneurs who are all about, I want to scale this, I want to make this big, I want to get investors in because I don't want to impact thousands of people, I want to impact millions of people, right? And so there are these uh, you know, in a matter of three, four minutes, I've just explained to you that there are four different types of goals that entrepreneurs can have. And the one about scale only matters to the third and fourth category. The first and second category don't care about it. And these goals can change at different points. But I think what I do is every three to six months with the entrepreneurs we work with, we have a quick conversation about sort of which category are you in right now? What are your goals right now? Is your goal, are you starting to get excited about scaling your business? Then, then we've got to do things very, very differently. Uh, are you saying, wait a minute, I want to keep it a lifestyle business and I want to make sure I get those two months holiday and I can work from Goa for you know six months of the year? Then we're going to make completely different decisions as well. So the first thing is an entrepreneur needs to be clear on what their goals are with their business, what the relationship they want with their business to be, what they want the business to accomplish for them and for others, right? So that's number one. Only once you have that clarity, can you start caring about, okay, what skills do I need? What techniques do I need? What systems do I need to build? Do I need to care about scale? Okay, if I'm thinking about scale, the business is too dependent on me. How do I bring in processes, et cetera, right? You get to do all of the fun stuff only once you decide sort of what you want to achieve. You know, it's like, uh, I'm sure you and everybody listening uses Google Maps, right? What's the first thing you do in Google Maps? You put in a destination, right? If you don't put in a destination, you can't say here are the different paths to get there. So it's like that in entrepreneurship. If you don't know what your destination is, you won't have a clue what the right path is to get there. Right? So the first thing entrepreneurs need to do is understand and recognize what is the purpose of the business for them, right? And be selfish about it, be personal about it, say it truthfully, you know, this is why I'm doing this, and then move forward from there. Uh, so I think that's the first thing. Then you get to do the, okay, how do I scale it? How do I build sustainable systems, et cetera? And, you know, we can dive into that if you, if you want in a bit. Hmm. I, I must say it was a very insightful answer and you know like you know yes I asked you that thing and the way you told that no like you know sometimes scaling up the business is always not the priority for that particular entrepreneur sometimes it's just like it's just diversifying their revenue streams that's it you know something that just like adds a little bit of sprinkles it was a really wonderful analogy and, I, and I'm damn sure that after this particular podcast I'm definitely going to get myself an ice cream I guess just kidding <laughs> But, uh, you know, like now this kind of brings me to this question that how important a role does networking play in the life of an entrepreneur? Like what are the avenues that can help these entrepreneurs network? Yeah, sure. So uh, I think about it as beyond networking. I think about it as the power of community. The power of community for an entrepreneur is absolutely huge. To me, it is and I think I said this in the first answer as well a little bit, one of the key reasons why entrepreneurs fail is because they don't embrace the power of community. They don't fall in love with community. They try and be a lone wolf and lone wolves die. So number one is if you want to sustain your journey as an entrepreneur, 
you have no choice you have to embrace the power of community otherwise you're making life so hard for yourself and you're likely to be unsuccessful at the end of it anyway so why would you choose a tougher path when there is a better path and why you would choose almost certain failure when there is a path to success i don't know right so number one is entrepreneurs have to embrace the power of community that's number one the reasons for that are many fold uh, gaurav one of the things you talked about is networking networking is not about exchanging business cards networking is about making connections with different type of people to see whether y'all can add value to each other's lives that's what networking is it's not about the business card exchange that we've been seeing for so long that's number one uh, i remember going to a networking event a couple of years ago and i was just bored out of my mind because for 30 minutes the entire thing was people went up to each other gave the same 30 second pitch to that person and said here's my business card what's your business card and while you are uh, talking to them about something they're basically looking over your shoulders thinking is there anybody better that i can you know network with and it was just such a terrible event it was it didn't add any value because what adds value in networking is to have conversations with people understand where they're from what their background is what they're doing right now what their exciting future is can you play a role in their future and help them get there faster or better or with more likelihood of success and if you do that they do that automatically as well humans by nature are good people right we care about being generous and we care about helping others and that's all we have to lean on so i think networking is definitely one part if it's done right the other advantages that people don't realize uh, i think one of them is something we call cross pollination cross pollination is basically just like how you see it in you know in biology and plant life it's a bee goes to one flower picks up something puts it on another flower and then magical things happen right it's the same thing with entrepreneurship when you embrace community you open yourself up to the opportunity of cross pollination and what that means is i could be having a problem with my business and there could be a dj sitting next to me in this community and i can find out from the dj what are the different things they've done to grow their sort of business or their practice and i might say wait a minute if i take that type of solution to my problem it can probably help me solve that problem as well and you know this was my first example of cross pollination for myself i at jixo thinking earlier we used to just run workshops and i realized that i was having a challenge attracting people to these workshops on a consistent basis and so that was my challenge and then the dj uh, arjun from answer uh, actually said wait a minute i'm having the same problem but the way we solved it and they solved it a, like a year ago or two years ago is they set up residencies at different clubs in bangalore residencies meant that they partnered up with that space and that space marketed their night once a month and they partnered with like five or six of these clubs and i said wait a minute if they have solved it that way that means in my world what can i do and so i went across bangalore and partnered with different co-working spaces in bangalore and did the exact same thing that they were doing in the club industry i did in the co-working space and that was just such a simple beautiful example of when i open myself up to community i can solve problems in ways that others are solving their own problems but i would never ever have got that idea if i said wait a minute i just have to focus i'll work harder 
you know, I'll work longer nights, more blood, more sweat, more tears, then I'll get my goal. It wouldn't have happened, right? But with just one conversation, that problem is sort of solved for me. So I think there's obviously the power of networking if it's done right. There's also cross-pollination. And finally, there's just the power of human connection. When you connect with people, you feel less lonely, you feel supported, you feel like you're, it's not you against the world. There are other people involved in your journey as well. You might end up finding collaborators in that community. You might end up finding team members. You might end up finding partners. Uh, that's why I was so excited when you guys emailed me about the scale up community as well. Cause I was like, wait a minute, this is awesome. There's another platform now for communities to connect. And this one has got a gateway to the future entrepreneurs of uh, India. And perhaps I don't know if ISEC's taking it worldwide or global as well. But at least within Bangalore and India, there is this scale-up community now where college students can get involved in this ecosystem and interact with entrepreneurs. And you learn so much just by association, observation, listening, et cetera, um, that I think it's a no-brainer that people need to embrace the power of community itself. It's the heart and soul of everything we do at Jigsaw Thinking as well. All of the stuff we do, all the programs, courses, labs, everything we've set up has community at the heart of everything we do. Because I used to do one-on-one, I used to only do one-on-one coaching earlier. And I realized actually it's so much more powerful for entrepreneurs to be in a community because it makes them sort of move faster. Um, so it's at the heart of everything we do at Jigsaw Thinking. And it really excited me that uh, ISEC's going down the same path as well with scale up. Loved, loved, definitely loved your answer, Ashwin. And like, I really liked how you started that, you know, networking events are not supposed to be mechanical. It's no longer just a gesture of exchanging cards and, you know, pitching for 30 seconds and then scooting away, okay? You can't be like that. And uh, for for any entrepreneur to thrive, for any entrepreneur to succeed, it's always important to be a part of a community because like you said, it gives degree perspective. It tells you that yeah. how, 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 like, you know, being an entrepreneur, if you're solo, it, it's an idea that, okay, how not to solve a problem? It's like, these are the 1,000 ways I cannot go about solving a problem because I failed in it. But when you join mm. a community, not only you know that how not to solve a problem, you can find ways that, okay, this, these are some more ways to tackle. And yeah, thanks a lot for, like, talking about scale-up. Definitely, uh, our viewers out there would, like, love to know more about a community that's going on or what more cool stuff we are doing over here. So uh, with that, I would like, you know, like ask you the very last thing that any like one message that you would like to give to all the budding entrepreneurs out there who are listening to Scale Up or who are not listening to Scale Up, but eventually will say, so yeah, anyone who is like, who are his audience, you know, what is your final message to all of them? You know, I can give some, uh grand speech right now and talk for 20 minutes, but I'll keep it as simple and short as I can. Uh, I used to have a friend at uh, uni, still a very good friend named Girish. And um, we had a yearbook at the end of the uh, sort of graduating batch. And the thing he wrote for me was keep it simple, but significant. Uh, And so I try and follow that every time I have to give like any type of answers. I'm like, wait a minute, don't complicate things. Try and keep it as simple as possible, but make it significant. So inspired by him, I will just say that my one message for any young budding entrepreneur who's curious about the space is do not wait for the right time. That does not exist. 
all of the young entrepreneurs I speak to say, I will get into it. I will try it out when it's the right time, when I have loads of experience and I have money and I have time and all of these other things. Entrepreneurship is a learn on the job type of role. So this idea of waiting for the right time is definitely not, in my opinion, the right one. It doesn't mean quit college, quit your job, you know, throw money, be on the street and try and be an entrepreneur. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is at least experiment with entrepreneurship on with the time that you have, because you never know if it's going to be, you know, the path that you want to go down. At least give it a go, experiment with it. Don't wait for the right time. Uh, with the community that you've set up with ScaleUp, uh, there are organizations like Jigsaw Thinking out there as well, whose goal is to help you on your path. Just start, get the support that you need and give it a go. And always think, what's the worst that could happen? There's, there's, you could fail. That's great. Get the failures out of the way early. And then you're likely to succeed later on anyway, right? So uh, I would just say one message would be, don't buy the story of it has to be the right time to try out entrepreneurship. I think it's all crap. I don't know if we can swear on this podcast, so I won't say anything, uh, you know, more with more sort of swear words. But so I'll I'll keep it at that. But I'm just trying to get across how strongly I feel about uh, about it. Hey everyone, we hope you liked our second episode of Scale Up Podcast with Isaac and Bentleru. We'll keep bringing new episodes every week with exciting guests and insightful conversations. So, stay hungry, stay excited and get ready to scale up with Isaac.